Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. Been a hell of a week. (laughs) It's been an exciting week, an interesting week. I don't like everything that's gone on. I'm sure all of you don't like some part of the week. Doesn't matter what political party you belong to, because each side had its bumps and its pluses. But it's been a terrible week also. Uh, Not good things are happening in our country or for our country. And this is an admonishment. And some of you are going to get offended by what I'm going to say. But wake up, my friends. Wake up. Uh, This country's going down the tubes in many respects. And Donald Trump has not helped the situation. He has encouraged it. He has activated it. He has permitted the rodents uh, to come out of the swamp. And half of you buy what the shit he's handing out, excuse the way I put it, and it's killing us. Uh, We couldn't handle another four years with him, to be frank. And I don't know if we can handle four years more if we don't things don't go right this evening. Uh, Before I get into that, let me tell you that we're going to Georgia, Washington, Palm Beach, Scotland, Florida, Atlanta, and Summerlin Key tonight. Let's start with the Georgia runoff today for the two United States Senator seats. I, of course, hope, firmly hope, that the two Democratic candidates win. In order for Biden to do anything to help this country, he's got to have as much power as he can get. All right, he's got the presidency. The Democrats have the House by a close margin. They need the Senate. That means the two Democrats have to win for the Democrats to control the Senate for the next two years. Uh, Now, if the Republicans only win one seat, they're going to control the Senate. We can't have two or four more years of uh, McConnell and his way of running the Senate, stopping progress legally. You know, you know how many bills the Senate passed this past year? Twenty-eight. He's supposed to be 200, 300, 400. Twenty-eight. He isn't doing diddly-dip. He's getting his judges. But you can't do things that way. And we've... He, Give it to the Democrats. You can vote them all out of office in two more years or four more years, presidency in four years. Uh, can't be any worse than Donald Trump. Got to be better, no question in my mind. Anyhow, today's a big day. This election, this runoff election, these runoff elections in Georgia today are two of the, This is the most important election, what's going on in Georgia that I can recall in my memory, and I'm 85 years old. There have been other other races that were important. I can tell you right now, 68 was important. 72 was important. The Vietnam War was all over us. People were getting killed. Uh, 1980, 84, Reagan. Uh, Those were important elections. 1932, Franklin Delano Roosevelt bringing in the New Deal. He saved this country from economic disaster and and so forth. But this one has a uniqueness to it because tomorrow there's going to be garbage on the streets of Washington 
trying to create problems, and they will create some trouble. People like uh, what's what's their name? Uh, people's people's pro, people's boys, pride pride boys. Uh, they're going to cause trouble. We don't need this aggravation. This is not the kind of protesting we want. You want to protest? You march. You carry a sign. You yell and scream. You don't get involved in fisticuffs, people carrying guns, people getting stabbed, car sitting people. Not right. So uh, the results of this race tonight are very, very, very important. Uh, I don't think we're going to have the results tonight, but we should have them tomorrow. Then, of course, somebody's going to stand up and uh, do uh, or try to do something like as Trump has been doing. Let me point something out to you, because I just read this before I went on the show. It was a late report that came over the Internet. In Pennsylvania today, uh, the Republican-controlled Senate in the state of Pennsylvania refused to have sworn in a Democratic senator who's been senator for several years because that senator's opponent was uh, protesting the election saying she should have won and here are the reasons why. And when it was against the rules of the Senate, the Democrat uh, who was presiding over the Senate says, I I don't accept your motion not to have him sworn in, et cetera, et cetera. And the Republican said, let's take a vote to excuse the president of the Senate, and will appoint a Republican to replace him, which he did, and they were, then they carried out their, their game plan not to swear this guy in. When did you ever hear of things like this happening before this past week? Nothing like this. And you see, Trump pulls this crap. He's been pulling it for three months here, and now it's gotten into the levels of the Pennsylvania State House. And where will it go tomorrow and the next day? He has created a bad situation. It's unhealthy for everyone and everything in this country. And if you think I'm upset, you bet I am. All right, let me move on now. I want to talk about violence. Because we're going to have violence in Congress, I believe, tomorrow. I think it might come to fisticuffs. I'm not saying it is, but it could. I I know we're going to have violence in the streets on Wednesday. Uh, and I'll get to that in a moment. But let's start with violence in Congress. Some Democrats dislike Republicans. Some Republicans hate Democrats. People don't talk. They don't talk across the aisle. I can't understand it. Uh, you know, it's, it's like playing a game of basketball uh, against, you know, another school. And afterwards, the guys go on and have a drink together. Uh, whether it's a Coca-Cola or a beer. Uh, You just don't do this. Back in the days of Harry Truman, Franklin Roosevelt, in the days of Eisenhower, uh, both parties would fight all day in the halls of Congress and then sit down after work at 5 o'clock, play poker and drink or have a couple of drinks together in somebody's office. They used to go out on the weekends with their wives and socialize. Socialize. The Republicans don't even stay in Washington on the weekends, okay? So all those things are gone. Well, let me tell you about violence in Congress. Let me start with, there have been more than 70 fights on the floor of Congress since this country began. I'm laughing, but it's true. More than 70 physical 
combat, fights, canes in the head, choking on the floors of Congress. I'm just going to share a, a, a few with you. Uh, let's go to 1856, uh, May 22, 1856. This is the most famous one, only because somebody drew a cartoon of the fight and it got printed in some Washington paper, and that gave it notoriety, more notoriety than it would have received. But on that day, on the Senate floor, a congressman, a House representative, who didn't belong on the Senate floor, walked onto the Senate floor, and he went after a Senator Charles Summers. Charles Summer. And he, was, he had a cane. Uh, he had a cane, uh, the congressman, Congressman Preston Brooks. He was mad at uh, Summers for some reason. And he went over and he hit him in the head with, 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 his, with his cane. The issue was slavery. Uh, one was a Southerner, uh, the, the representative, and the uh, senator was a Northerner. And the Southerner over, over a slave issue was mad. <laughs> and he hit the guy in the head with a cane. He didn't stop. He kept hitting him in the head with a cane until he was unconscious. And then he walked off the floor, and no one bothered him. No charges were brought. No disciplinary action. No censure. Because that's the way it was back then. Uh, now, now, that's pretty disgusting. Uh, which now brings me to... Let's see, what's another one I got here? Uh, let's go to... 1838. Country wasn't very old at the time. This is something that you're not going to believe. Two congressmen, okay, had an argument. Not two con it was two congressmen from separate parties, okay? One congressman insulted another congressman. And as a result, there had to be a duel, because that's how it was done then, eighteen thirty eight. But the two people who insulted each other did not necessarily have to be the participants in the duel. Because once you insulted a member of the other party, it wasn't a personal insult. It was an insult to the political party. So each side selected one of their members to represent the party in the duel. This is pure stupidity already. And this was the Whigs and the Democrats. And the two representatives that were selected happened to be good friends, but they were stuck. They had to do it. Neither of them was good with a gun. They didn't shoot. Uh, they were using rifles also, by the way, in this duel. And uh, poor shots. The first two rounds, they missed each other. The third, unfortunately, a representative Graves was shot and killed. But that's how they did it back then. Now comes 1858, 1858. Uh, this was a, as described in a newspaper at the time, and I quote, a full-fledged sectional fight on the floor. Uh, again, it had to do with South and North, but the Southern representative on uh, the floor of the House came up to the Northern representative, grabbed him by the throat, and started choking him. Would you believe this happened at two o'clock in the morning? They were having an overnight session. Probably everyone was tired, but these two guys, the Southerner got mad at the Northerner and he started choking him and he didn't stop. And it just so happened that the Northern Senator, this is 1858, 
the northern senator was a black man. And he said to the black man he would teach the black representative Pig, Piggy, a lesson. The black representative Piggy, a lesson. Uh, An all-out brawl occurred. Thirty members of Congress got involved in the fight. Like I'm saying, we're going to have some sort of a fight tomorrow. It could happen. I'm not saying it is on the floor of Congress. February 20th, 1902. There was an issue in Congress over Philadelphia Island. I don't know what the hell Philadelphia Island is. And maybe most, I assume most of you don't. But anyhow, there was a Senator Tillman and a Senator McLaurin. And one was Republican. Both were of the same party, I'm sorry. Both were of the same party. And both Democrats, and one of them, Tillman, had voted with the Republicans, though, on the issue. And so McLaurin got mad, and he thought this was wrong. And he went to him, and he shouted out that he was a wimp, a wimp, because during the Civil War, he had gotten a medical deferment. This goes way back with these guys, okay? And uh, they threw punches. They threw punches. <laughs> Had to be separated. And that's the way that was. Now, let's get to a more recent one. The most recent far- fight in the, on the floor of the House of Representatives or the Senate was on March 4th, 1985. That's recent times. I remember I was a mature man at the time. Not old, but mature. Uh, Anyhow, how old was I? 15, 15. I was 50 years old. Um, In the House of Representatives, uh, Democrat was Thomas Downey. The Republican was Robert Doran. Uh, Doran, they got into words uh, over who avoided the draft and so forth during Vietnam. And a fight ensued, and they were choking each other and hitting each other. Downey had a big mouth. He went complaining directly to the Speaker of the House, Tip O'Neill, which in this fight was the last thing he wanted to hear. And the other congressmen, Democrat or Republicans, were unhappy that Downey went and complained to Tip O'Neill. In any event, O'Neill told both men to their face they were childish. Okay? And the next day he condemned their behavior before the entire House. He told them face-to-face and personally, though, and I quote, you can settle it on the street, but don't settle it on the House floor. So fistcuffs on the floor of the Senate or the House are a modern-day thing also. Now let's go to violence in the streets. I sense, I feel violence on the streets Wednesday when the uh, Congress, both Houses, are trying to certify the certifications that the vote was proper, and Biden and and Kamala Harris were elected duly to the offices they sought. Now, Trump says, got to stop, can't do this, because after all, he says he won Georgia by more than 100,000 votes. He won Pennsylvania by more than 100,000 votes. These states have, have had their votes checked three times, four times. It always comes out right. Trump is a mental defective, or he's stupid. I don't know which one. He's got, he, he brought 61 lawsuits. He only won one. He lost 60. Uh, can all these judges be wrong? There were 90 judges involved because you had appellate courts. More than half were Trump appointees or Republicans. Uh, 
But yet, there have been bad times. We, we've had these problems in the street now uh, with the Proud Boys, uh, with the certain uh, white supremacist groups, the Ku Klux Klan, uh, and you got on the other side Black Lives Matter and several other groups, and it isn't good. And we're going to have violence, I think, on Wednesday. Trump has been inviting, you notice his tweets this week, inviting people to come to Washington Wednesday when the, when the Congress will be voting. He's going to be there. And it sounds like he's going to lead these people, okay? I can see them rushing the, the floor of the Capitol to get in and physically be violent. But I don't believe that would. I just can't conceive of it happening. But it could. We don't know. I believe there's going to be blood staining the streets of Washington. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Blood will be staining the streets of Washington Wednesday. It's inevitable, and you blame it on our good friend Donald Trump. Now, let me talk about the Proud Boys. We know the Proud Boys are one of the leading groups uh, supportive of Donald Trump, and Donald Trump welcomes their support. Uh, They are white supremacists. They are nationalists. They are anti-Semitic. They are uh, they are they are everything that isn't good. I know I'm missing a couple of things here, but whatever anti-Semitic. I don't think they're anti-Christian. They're anti-Semitic. Uh, they, uh, they, they, I'm, I'm losing it here on this issue here. But anyhow, uh, they're coming. They're going to be there. The president is Enrique Torrio. Torrio. He flew in from Miami, where he lives. Sunday. He's the president of Proud Boys. He was arrested when he got off the plane by the Washington police, because at the last uh, rally in Washington, I think it was December 12th, he went into a black church, took a Black Lives banner down and out, and set it on fire in the street. He openly admitted this on national radio or TV afterwards. Photos were taken of him burning the flag. Video was taken of him burning the flag. And what he did, in effect, is a misdemeanor. He is destroying or damaging someone else's property. And that's the charge. Uh, Now, he had said he was willing to plead guilty to some minimal charge. He was willing to pay a reasonable fine. And he was willing to pay the church the cost of the banner. Uh, Well, the guy's a bit of an asshole, excuse the way I put it. What does he have on him when the police arrest him? He's carrying two (laughs) high-capacity firearm magazines, two high-capacity firearm magazines, and two high-capacity feeding devices, feeding devices. Now, I'm not a gun person. I don't know what that feeding device is, but both are felonies. So now he's arrested on the felony charge. Now he's got a problem. I don't know if he's sitting in jail waiting uh, waiting for bail or the bail's been put up where he is, but I'm sure Wednesday he's going to be out there leading the pack. Now, not enough, because he has said this. Torrio, the head of Proud Boys, he said, quote, come and get me if you feel either what I did was wrong Come and get me if you feel what I did was wrong. All right? 
We'll let the public decide. Come and get me. We'll let the public decide. Sounds like he, he wants to initiate a fight. More importantly is what his followers, his Proud Boy members have been saying for the last three days. Okay? They are saying, and I quote, burn D.C. to the ground. Burn D.C. to the ground. Now, that is scary, and that could happen. Don't forget, Proud Boys, they were responsible for four stabbings in the last rally. Uh, everything was good till the rally was over, and then they started going after people. Who was, who were, everybody was quiet, both sides, as they were leaving the rally. Going to have trouble. Blood will stain the streets of Washington. Now, this is humorous. I'm sorry, it's humorous. I'm going to talk about Donald Trump. I'm going to talk about Mar-a-Lago. And you're going to laugh, if you, or you're going to think it's sad. I'm perverted, probably. I, th- I think it's funny. Uh, you know, it's like God gets even. <laughs> That's a terrible thing to say. Uh, what goes around comes around. Uh, anyhow, here's the story. We know that Donald Trump plans on retiring to Mar-a-Lago. That is going to be his home. Uh, In fact, you remember several months ago, he he changed his residency from New York City to uh, Palm Beach and to Mar-a-Lago. And you may be aware or not that when he went down for his Christmas vacation, he hadn't been to Mar-a-Lago in a while. But Melania had gone down because Donald made her responsible, gave her the responsibility of renovating their home quarters in Mar-a-Lago. And when he got there and he saw what she did, he didn't like it. He gave her hell, and he was upset over that for a few days, on top of everything else he had to be upset about. Now, what's going on now that I think is humorous? Well, one of the neighbors of Mar-a-Lago retained an attorney who wrote a letter to the town of Palm Beach, okay? And he said Trump can't live in Mar-a-Lago. Turns out that in 1993, Trump wanted to commence some sort of a business, finally determined to be a club, like a private club at Mar-a-Lago. And the town came up with certain rules in writing, an agreement, which Trump agreed to, duly signed, etc. And the rules were that there could only be 10 rooms where people could stay overnight. Only members could use those rooms. No member could stay more than three weeks a year. And the three weeks could not be consecutive. Now, Donald's a member. <laughs> you, because during this proceeding in front of the city commission or common council, uh, the lawyer for Trump was asked if Trump was going to, was going to make a home of it. And his lawyer said, said very clearly uh, that no, no way that, uh, what is the quote? No, except that he will be a member of the club and therefore is entitled to the use of guest rooms. Hmm. Well, the neighbor who got the attorney says, you can't live there, Donald. <laughs> it's against the rules. <laughs> Now, where's Donald going to live? They also said in the letter, the neighbor through his attorney, there are a lot of nice properties in Palm Beach you can buy, but we, I don't want you there. And it turns out that several other neighbors support his position. They don't want Trump as a neighbor 
living at Mar-a-Lago. What an insult. You don't want the president of the United States, living, former president, living next door to you. Okay? Which now brings me to Scotland. <laughs> this all ties in, folks. <laughs> I came across an article yesterday. Small article buried somewhere on the Internet. But the Sunday Post came out this past Sunday. It's a, it's a weekly publication. It's a newspaper. In Dundee, Scotland. Dundee, Scotland. Said, this article said, that on January 19th, the airport there has been a prize. It's Prestwick Airport. And there have already been military planes in that Trump will fly to Scotland on that day on a military Boeing 757 because he is going to Turnberry, which is his flagship Scottish Gulf Resort. Now, I don't know if he's going there to live, but the word is he doesn't want to be in Washington on the 20th when Biden gets sworn in. Uh, I doubt he would want to live there because if you recall, when he went for the dedication or something after this Turnberry Scottish course had been open a while, the people didn't like him in Scotland. They said nasty things about him. He seems to draw that kind of comment. So that's the story there. I don't know if he's going to Scotland to live because he can't live in Mar-a-Lago or he just wants to get the hell out of town someplace where he can play golf and people will kiss his butt. Which now brings to me something that's an absolute disgrace. It's happening here in Florida. Uh, nowhere else yet, but it's something new. Uh, the state of Florida permits now a community, a city or town, to keep a list of children with bad grades and other bad things, thereby labeling them as potential criminals. It's a potential criminal list. It looks at the records of middle school and high school students in Florida. Pasco County, P-A-S-C-O in Florida, has started. They have hundreds of names on the list already. Well, you see, if they're bad kids, maybe they should be on the list. But let me tell you what constitutes getting on the list. Okay, it's disgraceful. A D on a report card. We're talking about one D on a report card. Uh, missing school more than three days in a quarter. Witnessing your parents, witnessing domestic violence, witnessing your parents fighting, uh, being a victim, being a victim, not even the perpetrator of abuse or neglect. A hundreds are already on the list, and the cops are throwing names on the list, saying they need this because in the future it's been established the kids who have problems when they're young and don't get good grades or see things like this are going to end up in trouble as an adult. Uh, which now brings me to uh, Thomas Edison and Steven Spielberg. Thomas Edison, we know the genius the man was. Do you know that as a child he was kicked out of school at the age of 12 and not permitted back because he was a poor student? He was extremely poor in math and unable to concentrate. One of the most brilliant men in the history of the world, thrown out of school at the age of 12, he would have been on this possible criminal list in Pasco County, Florida. Steven Spielberg, the great uh, movie producer, fantastic movies, okay? He dropped out of high school on his own. 
I don't know what his problem was. But then he decided to go back to school. They wouldn't take him into regular high school. He had to go back into a, quote, special ed class. He probably would have ended up on the list. And who knows if he would have had the opportunity to exceed as he did. That's the story there. Uh, Barbara, no, Representative Colorado Republican Lauren Boebert, B-O-E-B-E-R-T, was recently elected to the Congress. She showed up uh, Sunday uh, to be sworn in. She likes guns. She carries. She, she, she often carries. She carries a Glock pistol. She's the Annie Oakley of Colorado, apparently. And uh, she said, I'm going to carry my gun in Washington, on the streets of Washington. I'm going to carry it in Congress. Nobody can stop me. I have a Second Amendment right. The chief of police in Washington announced, if she does it, I'm going to arrest her. She has to follow the law like everybody else. So far, she has not carried a gun into Congress or on the streets. But she had great bravado there for a while. She was the new pistol-packing mama of Washington. Angelica Harris. I, I've written several times. I've talked about her on the show. She needs a kidney. She lives in Key West, 26 years old. She needs a kidney. She's trying to get one through the, the list, through the Cleveland Clinic. She's on, the, uh, on social media herself. Please, somebody, if you know there's a kidney available, call me or look Angelica Harris up in the phone book. Call her. Get the wheels rolling to see if your kidney qualifies. Uh, this woman, she don't get it. She's going to die. Nice kid. Angelica Harris. I think we all should try to get her a kidney. That is the blog for two. No, the blog. This is the blog. The blog. Uh, the word blog for this week. I thank you for joining me. We'll see what next week brings, my friends. Good night.